Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. Continue this morning in the Blessed Life series. We're actually going to wrap it up today. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago when I started this series that you can count on me for a few things every or every year. This is one of them on speaking on the blessed life, and I really feel that it's important. It's vital that we have an understanding of the time, the talents, and treasures that each of us have and can give, and and that it's vital that you understand that it should come from your heart. And that's what we talked about in the first week, that really what we do comes from our heart. Everything that we do, whether uh, it's good or bad, it comes from our heart. Do you know that? And then last week we touched on how God will test us, how the tithe is actually a time of testing. It's a period of, of testing. God wants you to, he wants to test you in that area. In fact, the scripture declares that in Malachi chapter 3, he, God himself said, test me in this and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing upon your life. So how many have begun to just test God and taking those steps of faith and begun to do that in their life? Have you begun to do that to experience that blessed life? I know many of you here have. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you to to uh, discover what the blessed life is for your life. Amen. Does everybody have a handout this morning? If you don't, raise your hand and uh, we'll get an usher to get one to you. You should have one this morning. Well, welcome again to Foothill Christian. God is good? All the time. And God is good all the time. Amen. We know that. We believe it. We live it. We expect it. Amen. Here's what I want to share with you this morning. Our spiritual vision or, or our capacity, is our capacity to see clearly what God wants us to do and see the world from His point of view. But here, this spiritual insight can be easily clouded. It can become very clouded. For example, self-serving desires, selfishness, um, goals that block that vision... We need to continually keep our vision, our eyes fixed on Jesus because we can become sidetracked. And how many know and realize today that we live in the most materialistic society that's ever lived on this planet? Ever, ever. It doesn't take uh, the day after Thanksgiving, generally known as Black Friday, to know that and understand that. All it takes is just living in this world, living in this country, to know that we live in the most materialistic society ever. And one of the things, we were just talking about this yesterday with somebody, we were at a funeral, but um, happened to be talking with about you know, some of our relatives that have gone on, and then um, they mentioned my, my dad, who's still alive, but they mentioned how, you know, God's been good to him, and uh, one of the things that came out in the discussion was he's always paid uh, cash for everything. So he doesn't own credit cards, you know, which is so different than the world we live in today. Today's world says, oh, I got a new uh, credit card application in the mail, I better fill this out, because I got $5,000 credit right here, or twenty. 500 or whatever and then we max those credit cards out we're living above our means and one of the great lessons which our father taught us was if you don't have the cash to pay it you don't need it 
right? But that's a very hard thing to do. I get it. I understand that. When Best Buy is just right around the corner and, you know, all these stores that take that wonderful plastic card are just right there and I can have what I want in an instant. But it takes sacrifice. It takes uh, living it out on a day-by-day basis to not get so enveloped in this materialistic society. Amen? And, And so we need to be careful with this. Whatever you store up, you will spend much of your time and energy thinking about. Can you honestly say this morning that God and not your money is your master? Because, again, our focus has been on our finances the last couple of weeks on this series. It, but it starts with your heart. And again, I'll reemphasize, God doesn't need your money. Foothill Christian doesn't need your money. What I'm trying to convey to you through this series is God wants your heart. If He has your heart, He can do amazing things with each of you here this morning. So again, one test here in answer to that question that I just asked is to ask which one occupies more of your thoughts, your time, and your efforts. Is it God or is it money? That'll tell you who your master is real quickly. And you don't have to answer that right now. You don't have to raise your hand and tell me who that is. I want you to internalize that. So as, we, as you do that, let's review last week. Again, we talked about the blessed life, how tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. Tithing, we talked about, is 10% of your gross income, giving the first fruits right off the top to the kingdom of God. And that when you begin to do that, God redeems the other 90%, and He blesses that everywhere you go, blessing is poured out upon your life. Wherever you go, blessing is poured out upon your life. I'm talking about finances, physical relationships, or excuse me, relationships, physical uh, strength, healing in your body. God meets all those needs in your life when you live the blessed life. And it starts with your heart. It starts with your heart. Everybody say, it starts with my heart. That's where it starts. Everything we do comes from our heart. Amen? So each of us this morning, this is what I would like for you to, to eventually get to the point in life where you can say this. Lord, I recognize you first. I am putting you first in my life. And I trust you to take care of the rest of the things in my life. To take care of every little detail from the clothes I'm going to wear to the food I'm going to buy to whether if I'm going to have enough money at the end of the month. I'm going to put my trust in you to take care of that. Not in my job. Man, i, I got to hold on to my job because if I lose my job, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, yeah, you got to take care of your job. God expects you to be a wise steward. But your trust isn't in your job. It's in God. Amen? Once, and I'm going to read this, what I've been saying every one of these weeks is, I want you to know that the enemy of your soul would do anything to keep you from discovering God's principles governing financial stewardship, giving, and blessings. You see, your enemy, Satan, does not want you to discover what those um, principles are. Because he knows that once you discover that and start living it, your life will be transformed for the better. It will become more powerful. You know, our world survives it, it, the world goes around and round by people that are generous not by the people that are hard-hearted and tight-fisted those people can't help anybody 
But when I look out here and I see generous people, I mean, I see people that give to homeless. I see people here that are giving of their, of their talents, uh, not only finances, but you're rounded, you're giving of all things that God has entrusted you with. That is exactly what God wants you to do. And God wants you to teach that to your children and to your children's children. Amen? So let's, let's get into this. What does it mean to say I'm blessed? And we talked about this the first week. It means to have God's favor in your lives. How many want to have God's favor in your life? Every one of us should raise both hands. I want God's favor. I want God's favor in my life. It means to have wholeness. It doesn't mean to have a fat bank account. Let's just get that straight right now. It's not about money. It's about having wholeness in your life. It's about having my, my spiritual needs met, my, my financial, my personal, my relational, my marriage, all that complete wholeness. I want to have that. I know each of you here desire to have that as well. The opposite of being blessed, again, is to be what? Selfish. Selfish. The opposite of being blessed is to be selfish. And we, we spoke about that for the last couple of weeks, how no one is a natural born giver, right? You know, again, we have two little young ones here that are barely starting to form words, but here's one thing I can guarantee you. One of the first words they will learn to say is, mine, mine. Why do I know that? Because we've all done that. We've all said that. We've all seen kids play with other kids, and, and a, a new toy gets introduced, and they grab it and say, mine. When it doesn't even belong to them. It comes as a natural reaction. We're naturally selfish. We are. And if you don't believe it, your spouse will tell you right now, you're naturally selfish. Because I know we all are at our core. So, so we have to be taught to be givers. We have to be taught to, be, uh, to live that blessed life. It doesn't come naturally. And because of our fallen sin nature in this world that was introduced by Satan, we have a tendency to be selfish. Again, God wants us, and He starts with our heart. He goes, I want to start with your heart. I want to give you a heart operation, a heart transplant, and give you the heart of God in your life so that you can begin to think differently, talk differently, react differently, because He wants you to live a blessed life. See, He has the best interest for you. He's not trying to be a cruel dad. Our Father is a good, good Father, as the song says. He is a good, good Father. And He knows what's best for each of us. So again, this morning, I want to talk about the spirit, and use this word called mammon. It's found in the King James Version. It's called the spirit of mammon. And it's an Aramaic word which means riches, money, or possessions. And it fits right in line with with the message of what I want to share this morning. But... Many of us in this world, especially nowadays in this country, are led by the spirit of mammon, of money, of possessions. In fact, um, in the Bible, it uses, in other versions, it uses the word wealth, uh, money, or riches. But this particular word only occurs four times in Scripture. So there's a point here, there's a lesson here that the Lord wants us to learn from this word mammon. And, and here's the thing, at the heart of that word of mammon, the attitude is that man doesn't need God. I don't need God. 
I can accomplish it on my own. I can take care of it. I can provide the way. And let me just tell you right now, let me just warn you right now, be very careful if you start saying, I can meet all the needs in my life. I can meet the needs that uh, I have. Be very careful because God giveth, and God taketh away. Yes. Amen? Amen? How many have experienced that? You know, learn the lessons the hard way. God giveth and God taketh away. So let us recognize at the outset that everything you have here today, everything, you, your vehicle that you drove in today, to the umbrella you walked in carrying today to protect your head from that rain, God gave that to you. God provided that to you. Amen? Amen. One, I want to read... Uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you'll stand with me this morning. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. And we have that up on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. But let me read this word here this morning. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Lord God, we ask your blessing today, Father. Give us an understanding, Lord, of your word, of what you're trying to tell us in these passages that we're going to uh, discover, Lord, today. And I pray, Father, that we would all have a heart of giving, a heart of generous giving, that, Lord, that we can learn to live and walk in the blessed life, what you desire for each of us. So I pray, Lord, give us understanding this morning, and I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, here, what Jesus is clearly stating is that you cannot serve both God and riches and money. And when I say that, right now, uh, you should have had a mental image of maybe someone, somebody, somebody in the media, maybe somebody, maybe somebody you know, maybe yourself, that... It's all about money, you know. Uh, hopefully it's not anybody here, but we all know people like that. That's the sad reality. We know people that are controlled by finances and not by putting their trust in God. Mammon isn't another name for money. It's a spirit which rests upon our money if our stewardship priorities are out of order. Did you catch that? Mammon isn't another name for money. It's a spirit which can rest upon our money if our stewardship priorities are out of order. See, God has a plan and a design for how He wants you to use your time, your talents, and your treasures. I cannot emphasize that enough as a believer. It took me years to really capture that and realize that, that God has uniquely given me you know, the ability to use time, talents, and treasures, and I'm to use them for His kingdom. And when we discover that purpose, we're now walking in that blessed life. How many have discovered that? When you work in that area, God will bless you. Amen? So here it's clear that money that is submitted to God and His purposes has the Spirit of God on it. We talked about that last week. God redeems the 90% when you give Him the first, the first fruits. We talked about that last week. It's multiplied and He blesses you because of that. On the other hand, money that's not given to God, or when you don't give Him the first fruits, it does not have any blessing on it. It has no blessing upon it whatsoever. You're now the manager of that. Instead of having God manage that for you, you are now managing that. And while we can do a, a good job, a decent job, it's not 
what God desires for you. Amen. I want you to lose sight of that. That's, that's key here. Here's another thing too is, have you ever noticed that most people under the spirit or influence of mammon tend to have the most fear about their money? They're the ones that are always worried about when they hear, well, the Dow Jones lost 400 points today, and uh, the S&P lost 120. I mean, who cares? God is in control of that. Yes, he does want you to manage your money wisely, but if you're worried about what the Dow Jones is going to do tomorrow on a Monday, you got big, you got greater problems than, than uh, you, you need. You need to be struggling with, you know. God is the one that provides everything for you, man. Right. See, mammon, this spirit of mammon, it lies to us. It lies to us. It promises us these things that only God can give us. And what are those things? Security, comfort, significance, identity, independence, um, a future. Well, when I only have, when my bank account gets up to $15,000, then I'll feel secure. Or when I have, you know, this amount of money, then I can do this. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's, you shouldn't plan, you shouldn't save and all that. But if we're not trusting in God to meet your need, and you're trusting in your finances, you might never get there. You might never get there. If you're trusting in your finances to, to take care of all of your needs uh, when you get to retirement age, which we should, we should plan wisely, but your trust should be in our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Mammon tells us that it can only protect you from life's problems and that money is the solution and the answer to those problems. In every situation, that's what the spirit of mammon says. Here's, here's what it tells you, and it has a, you have it on your outline this morning. The spirit of mammon, check this out. God will say to give, the spirit of mammon says, oh, you can cheat on that. Don't, don't give, cheat. Don't, don't give, cheat, cheat on it. God says to receive, mammon says to steal, steal. It's all right, nobody will see, nobody will look. See, we, we fail to grasp this word called integrity. Integrity is lost in our society, in a materialistic society. What is, what is integrity? It's doing the right thing when nobody's looking. When nobody's looking. Not when everybody's looking and gives you the credit. Oh, what a righteous man. What a good and, uh, you know, man filled with integrity or woman. Hogwash. Anybody can do that. Integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. That's what God wants from your heart. But the spirit of mammon says, cheat, steal. And then God says, and oh, it's March, be truthful about your taxes. Mammon says to lie about your taxes. Uh oh, hope I didn't hit a nerve there with anybody. But you know what? The Bible says be truthful. Be truthful in all things. Don't lie and cheat because you're going to get a fatter check. Is God going to really bless you with that check because you lied to get it? No, no. Do the right thing and let God bless you that way. Amen? The reason we cannot serve both God and mammon is that the spirit of mammon is the opposite of the spirit of God. See, they're complete opposites. See, when I, when I hear this word and every time I preach this, I think of one individual that I know. I know this one individual is consumed by money. It drives this person's thoughts, thinking, 
every idea, every decision this person makes is based on just money. And when I get into a conversation with this person, it really saddens me to hear this person speak because it's all around money. And God is not even anywhere remotely close to that conversation. It just really saddens me to hear that. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want you to be that person. Because God has something much greater for each of you. Much greater than that. Amen? God is generous. Amen? Everybody say that with me. God is generous. How many have found that to be true in your life? God is generous. I know I can. And I know there's people here in this church that can tell you and stand up here and tell you how good God is and how generous He has been to each of us in many areas of our life. Last week we had two testimonies up here of what tithing has done, what it means to those people. And that was just a small representation of the many of you here that give. But again, we could stand up here for hours and tell you how generous God is. But you know why? It's not by accident. It's because everyone is generous themselves. When you are generous, God is generous with you and upon you. Amen? It's a simple, simple promise and a simple principle. Mammon is a spirit that speak to, that can speak to us if we allow it and says, well, if you only had a healthier bank account, well, if you only drove that brand new 2016 Tahoe, if you only lived at Silverado Country Club or at Blackhawk in Danville, I think it's in Danville, um, if you only had that Rolls Royce, that's what the spirit of Mammon will say. And you know what? Here's the reality. At times... That spirit will want to beat every one of us up, including Pastor Rick. That spirit will want to come up on you and, and say, well, you know, you know, we use the expression, the Joneses. I'm not talking about you, Sister Jones, Sister Betty Jones Miller. But, you know, just because the Joneses have it doesn't mean you need to have it. Maybe God bless them. God's blessing you right where you're at in your unique situation. Amen? Um, I remember the time I mentioned Black Hawk. Uh, we went to, we took a, a field trip from my workplace. We went to this huge mansion. It was up in Black Hawk. I've never been there. I haven't been there since. And uh, it was just amazing. It was just dripping in wealth everywhere you looked. This place had an auto museum and uh, cars everywhere and multi-level home. And uh, I mean, just it was crazy, crazy, crazy. I've never seen anything like that. And I know that that's a spirit there. People that have and live there have this spirit of riches. And, it, and that's what dominates their thought process here. And that um, controls them. Every, thought, every decision they make is controlled by the spirit of mammon. God is generous. He wants you to be generous. Could that family, could those people have helped other situations? I'm sure they help out people. But boy, when I saw all that wealth there, it's like how much more of this could be used in other areas, you know, for homeless, for outreaches, for, for the needs that we have in our communities, inner city and so forth. I mean, there's so many needs out there. And yet you have places like this that exist in our own backyard. Even in the book of Revelation... When it speaks about the end times and specifically regarding the Antichrist, the Bible tells us, tells us that the Antichrist will use our economic system 
of the day to prevent people from buying, selling, or trading. How many have heard that story before? I'm talking about the mark of the beast, the 666, and so on. We've talked about that in our Bible studies, how in the last days, in, during the time of the tribulation, we believe that the Antichrist will come up and require men and women, anybody that wants to use the economic system, to have to have this mark. And you cannot buy, you cannot sell, you cannot trade without this mark. And the Bible calls it the mark of the beast, and it's identified as 666. And many believe that, the Bible says it's either going to be on your forehand or your forehead, both places. And many believe it's a microchip that will be implanted under your skin, which has already taken place experimentally in our world today. And we're right there on the precipice of all that occurring. Okay, so it's not some fan- fantasy that the Bible you know, depicted 2,000 years ago. Who would have thought? Over 2,000 years ago, this was declared. We're seeing th- these things begin to happen now in our day and age. But here's the warning that you each need to have while, while I mention that is you cannot take that mark. You take that mark, you cannot pass go. You go straight to hell, the Bible says, when your days are over. It's over. No more being with our Lord. Uh, that mark will prevent you from entering the kingdom of heaven. So if you ever get to that point, if you, you find yourself in that period of time, do not take that mark. Do not take that mark. If you ever... Remember anything I tell you here on a Sunday morning, remember that. Do not take that mark. Amen? Amen. So again, the Antichrist will use the economic system. See, it's powerful. The economic system of our world is powerful. Check this out. Jesus never once told anyone that money was the answer or solution to your problems. Not once. Not once did he ever tell anybody that. And I'm going to tell you the same thing. Jesus doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart, church. He really wants your heart. I desire as your pastor that your heart would be in tune with God. That you would be generous to those around you, to the needs around you. Amen? Now, don't get me wrong here. Money and mammon are not synonymous. Money is not evil. And I'm going to quote one of our scriptures. Do we have that scripture up on the screen? 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. Many people quote it like this, that the root of all evil is money. That's not what the scripture says. Scripture says that for the love of money is the root of all evil. So let's be careful. There's nothing wrong with money and having money and being wealthy. Again, hear me correctly. There's nothing wrong with that. But where it goes wrong is having the spirit of mammon, which is the love of money. It's the people you see posting Facebook pictures with cash all over their bed and they're just like swimming in it. I know you've seen those pictures. I've seen those photos. Just, just don't tell me it was you, okay? Don't tell me it was you. That Somebody know what I'm talking about there? You've seen those pictures, right? Whether it's Instagram or whatever. People have a love of money. There was a love of money growing and increasing just a couple months ago when the lotto was at $2.1 billion or whatever it was. All of a sudden people come from all out of the woodwork all of a sudden, oh yeah, I'm going to play the lotto and I'm going to win. And they have this desire that money is going to meet all the needs they have in the world. 
and they realize when they don't win and they plunk down 20 bucks or whatever it was and they go back to work on Monday morning that money isn't the solution. It'll never be the solution. In fact, if you go and do a, a, a check on all these lotto winners, most of them end up in bankruptcy and their lives ruined and just a mess. So money is not the solution. It's how you handle that, how you, your heart handles that. Are you going to be generous? Amen? Amen? So the idolatrous love of the spirit of mammon is evil. That's what's, what's wrong with this. In other words, greed selfishness, covetousness are all manifestations of this spirit which is called the love of money. The love of money. The love of possessions. You can never have enough. Amen? Because that, Which is so true. You get one thing, I mean, I, we won't even go there with the women's shoes, right? Okay. In the closets? Okay. I won't even go there. I just say it. I just said it. I just said it. So, sorry. But here's the thing. Sadly, unbelievers aren't the only people susceptible to this point. This point here, it's not just unbelievers. It's people in the church that can be consumed by the spirit of money. We need to be extremely careful. Amen? You know, our trust isn't in waiting for that rich uncle or that rich aunt to pass away so that we can inherit whatever, or a mom and dad to take care of all of our needs. That's not the answer. never will be the answer. The, the trust is, do you have that trust in God to meet your need today? Amen? Amen? Do you have trust in God for Him alone to meet that need this morning? Matthew chapter 6, I want to put another scripture up on the screen. Chapter 6 in Matthew, verses 19 through 21. Underline this in your Bible. If you don't have it underlined, check it out here. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen, amen, and amen. See, the Lord is telling us to give to be a blessing. Give to be a blessing in the things that are eternal. In the things that are eternal. You know, one of the things I always look forward to listening in, in at times of a funeral, and I was at one at a funeral yesterday, but uh, I look at and I listen to see what kinds of things that that person invests in in terms of eternity. Or was it all just focused on the here and now? And so that's what I would ask each of you. What are you focusing on in terms of things of eternity? Are you investing in things of eternity? Things that really matter? Things that will matter forever and ever and ever? Or is it just for things that are going to be here for 40 years, 50 years, and then gone? For 70 years, and then gone? Remember, we need to be wise and manage our time and, and invest in the things of eternity. Amen. In eternity, amen? amen? See, that's why Anna and I faithfully tithe to our church. That's why the, 
the people that had, were up here last week tithe because they're investing into the things of eternity here in this church, through this church. We bless a missions outreach in Mexico. We also, our church blesses a Israel uh, fund that we give to from our church, just so that you know part of our tithes and offering goes to that. Anna and I also contribute to that personally. Uh, there are many things that your money goes to. The, the supplies that we use here, everything that you see up here is paid by the offerings that you give. The rent that we pay here every month to lease this place and so forth. Uh, we count on it. When the Lord sees that we are faithful, He then begins to trust us with more. Have you figured that out yet? Yeah. Have you figured that out? Yeah. That when he, when he sees that we are faithful, He begins to trust us with more. Have you ever wondered, well, Lord, why aren't you trusting me with more? Why aren't you letting me have more and more? Well, because you're not there yet. He needs to see you walk in faithfulness. Once you do, then He begins to say, okay... You're now capable of handling it. We've all seen that with our children. You don't give a seven-year-old child the keys to your car. You just don't do that. They're gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna end up in not a very good situation. All right? And the Lord knows that with us as well. He doesn't just give us everything we desire right away. He wants us to walk faithfully and to build up to that point to become mature. Then He's willing to give that to you, just as any good, good father would. I want to share this. Uh, a few years ago, we went to this uh, man camp. It was a men's conference up in, up in the sticks, way up north somewhere. And um, the speaker was Ted DiBiase. Does that name sound familiar to anybody here? He was a wrestler in the WWF back in the good old days. And the camera doesn't do him justice because this man was a mountain of a man. Just humongous. Anyways, he's a believer, which I never knew. And... His personal motto, his scripture verse, his life verse is this. Matthew 16, verse 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And you see, he lived that life. You see, when he was in WWF, he had all the, he was hooked on cocaine and the drugs and the women. And he was telling a story after story. And that finally, after years of all this abuse... Uh, on his body and then physically and mentally he got to the point where he was ready to commit suicide he he was ready to just get his life over with even though he had everything that the world would say he needed he had cars he had money he had houses he had you know the women and all that and he was empty and dying on the inside empty and dying he said lord and that's when he met jesus when he came to the end of himself and said, Lord, I need more. I need you in my life. And from that point on, he began to serve the Lord. But that is his uh, life verse. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Because that's where he was going. His soul was lost, even though he had gained the whole world, gained everything he needed in terms of materialistic possessions. Yet he was empty and dying and a lost soul going to hell. It's that important, church, today that, that our attitudes not be on gaining this whole world. It's having the right heart attitude. Amen? Amen. So as we begin to close this morning, I'm not going to keep you much longer here. We must be careful with the spirit of mammon in our life. 
But along with that spirit can come this other spirit called the spirit of poverty. And what I mean by that here, check this out, is that by becoming the giver that God wants you to become, you will become blessed. He will begin to give you things and entrust you with more. And so, for example, the spirit of poverty could be like my brother Ed saying, Oh, Pastor Rick, uh, oh, Pastor Rick, that's a nice blazer you have on this morning. And I could just respond to him and say, Oh, this whole thing I got it at the secondhand store, you know, in, in Vallejo where I shop every now and then. And that's the spirit of poverty. Rather than saying, Thank you, brother, I appreciate that, I could just say, Oh, this whole thing. We've all done that, right? We've all said that to somebody when someone compliments us. That's really the spirit of poverty. Don't live in that area as well. Receive what God has blessed you with and say thank you for it. If God has blessed you with something and possessions and, and, and clothes and things like that, just thank Him for that. There's no reason to be ashamed of what God has given you. If you live in a nice house, be thankful to God for that. If you live in a little one-bedroom apartment, be thankful to God for that. You have a roof over your head, thank God for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. See, the trick is that from the enemy doesn't work. If that trick doesn't work, he will also attack you with the spirit of pride. That spirit tells you, oh yeah, this blazer, yeah, I've got this and I've got 20 more, brother. I got them in all the colors of the rainbow. <laughs> and this is what I wear on Sundays. You know, you can have that spirit of pride that just kicks up. And, and you need to be careful that, with that. God does not want you to walk in pride. We as believers, the Bible instructs us to be humble in all our ways. Humble. That's a, that's a hard, that's a word that's not used in our culture nowadays, is humbleness. Pride is the, is the way of life. Is, is uh, You roll up in your beautiful little car and you step out and, yeah, that's me, that's how I roll and this is what I got. And, you know, and I, I have a minivan, right? I, I roll up in a minivan, okay? Uh, but again, there's nothing wrong with a minivan. That's a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. But don't walk in pride, people. Don't walk in pride. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't walk in pride. The spirit, that spirit will tell you, I earned it. I worked hard for it. I earned it. Remember how I shared a couple weeks ago the story about a boat owner? I won't go into that. If we're not careful, that spirit will say, well, yeah, I worked hard for it. I worked you know, 60 hours a week for five years to get that. I earned it. No, you didn't. God gave you that job to be able to buy that. God gave that to you so that you could manage that. God knows that you're a steward and wants you to manage your time, your talents, your possessions wisely. Amen? Amen. So we must develop a heart of gratitude for the blessings that God gives each of us. Every one of us here are blessed beyond measure. Every one of us here today. God has given us Everything. Everybody say that with me. God has given us everything. And for this, we must be eternally grateful. The next time you start going down and having that pity party about poor pitiful me, you know, I, I ran out of money and there's still another week left of month to go, or whatever that situation might be, 
Don't go down there and have that pity part and begin to cry. Begin to say, Lord, I thank you for what you've given me. Lord, I thank you for my children, for the health we have, for being able to rise up out of bed this morning, to be able to function in this world, to be able to have a job to provide for my family, for my vehicle that it may be 10 years old, but it still runs great. Thank you, Lord, for all those blessings and all the blessings that you're going to give me in the future. Thank you for that. If you have that attitude of generosity, look out. God's going to continue to bless you. But you have these other spirits, the spirit of the love of money. God will not work with you on that level. He, it is impossible to. God is generous. God is generous. God is a giver. He wants you to be the same. Amen? Amen. Amen. I really, my prayer is that each of us here and those that couldn't be with us here today that may listen to this later on uh, soundcloud.com, look up Pastor Rick M. But I pray that everyone that listens to this will grasp how important it is that we become givers. Givers of our time, our talents, our treasures. And again, it starts with our heart. Starts with our heart. So if you'll... Bow your heads this morning with me. I want to pray a prayer for all of us here this morning. Heavenly Father, first of all, I would would ask that, Lord, you forgive me, forgive each of us here today if we've been unselfish, prideful, covetous. Lord, forgive me for listening possibly to the spirits of the love of money, or of pride, or of poverty. And Lord, I ask you to break them off of me and everyone here that is listening to my voice. To break them off of my family, off of my descendants, my children, my grandchildren, my relatives, Lord. And help me from this day forward to be a generous giver, an extravagant giver to the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that for every one of us here today, that we would truly grasp that, Lord, it's all about the heart. You want us to serve you in spirit and in truth. But, Lord, it starts with a heart decision. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that if there's anybody here that needs a transplant, a heart transplant, that, Lord, that you would begin to give them that new heart, new desires to serve you, Lord, new desires to walk in blessings each and every day for themselves and for their family. And so we pray that this morning in the wonderful, majestic name of Jesus. Amen and amen.